This is the Senior Living Truth Series podcast, where we have candid conversations about complex issues facing today's mature adults. No sales pitch, only the truth. I'm Dr. Nikki Buckaloo. Welcome to the show. topic 
that we may have offered in the past or that you would like to see offered, and it's not really senior living related in terms of kind of the housing, relocation, move management concept, then talk to me or talk to Marilyn, and we'll make sure that we make sure that it's offered in some uh, venue and made available to you, okay? Whether it's through Senior Living Truth Series or one of our sponsors or through Villages OKC. Um, we also have today our panelists that are going to be up here are our sponsors. We also have some senior communities that used to sponsor and they're not sponsors. So I want to be clear why that is. Just because somebody's not a sponsor doesn't mean that we are not still advocating for them and still uh, feel strongly about that partnership. In some cases, they just didn't have the staff uh, to be able to do it or maybe the budget to be able to sponsor. So they opted out this year strictly a, a business decision. Other communities um, and sponsors for that matter, we've decided we are not necessarily in alignment with our values and our goals for what we deliver here. And so we parted ways. Doesn't make them bad at what they do, doesn't make them a negative, it just means we're just not aligned with what we do, which is education, right? We're here to educate, not sell. And uh, so we wanna make sure we have the right people on board. Is that fair for you guys? Yes. Yeah, good. So um, if you have questions about sponsors that we used to have and you wonder, you know, hey, if I'm, if I'm thinking about using them or I'm thinking about moving to one of those communities and you want information about them, come talk to me personally, uh, privately, and I'd be happy to share my thoughts with you about why that partnership uh, uh, dissolved. Okay, I think that's all my housekeeping. So I have a quick story before I bring my sponsors up. So I had a... Um, or panelists rather, not sponsors, but panelists. So I went online the other day, as I do frequently on Facebook. How many of you are part of Facebook or use it regularly? Okay, about half the room. And uh, there was a there's a forum on Facebook that is real estate agents. And there was a real estate, I mean, a, a person on that real estate forum who asked about getting into the real estate industry and getting into the business of real estate. And they were curious. And so it's interesting, I started thinking about this after I read through all the comments underneath the, uh, the post, is I thought, you know, we used to all have, before social media and the internet, we had one really good friend in our life, probably maybe, if you had more than one, you're really lucky, but you had one really good friend who kind of knew a little bit about everything, and you could go to them and talk to them about things and feel like you're getting good advice, yeah? And then we all had those friends that we knew that, we didn't want to go to you because they had an opinion about everything, but they didn't know a whole lot about anything, right? We all had those too. But we just, we had our circle of friends that we went to for advice, and now guess where people go for advice? The internet. The internet. And so I wrote down, as I was reading the comments, the people who commented on the research this person was doing, they were really asking the question, you know, what do I need to know if I think I might want to get into the real estate industry? And here's what I found. There were some people who were kind but ignorant. Like, yay, good for you. That should be a fun job, right? And then there are the people who were unkind and ignorant. Like, well, you would stink at that. I'm not so sure that that's something you want to do because whatever. I know, right? Then there were those people who had an agenda. They had something to sell. They were either a broker or some sort of uh, school trying to sell them on yeah, you should totally do it, and here's how you can pay me to do it, right? Then there were those who um, were sharing their wisdom and insight. Like, they had some wisdom and insight, and they were nice enough to share that. 
And then there were those who obviously simply said nothing, people who didn't post at all, right? And I thought, who is missing from this list of people commenting on this person's post? The, the people missing were the experts, <laughs> people who actually knew something about getting into real estate. And I thought, isn't that interesting, right? The people that were commenting were not necessarily the people that the lady probably should be paying attention to, right? And so what happened to all the experts out there? Well, they bail on those conversations for a couple of reasons. They don't have time to comment on every comment out there about people who want to get into real estate. There's just not enough time in the day, right, to go in there and comment because you don't know if that person's serious or not. And the other reason is because in order for someone to actually see that person who's an expert and know that they're an expert, you would have to be able to filter through all the noise of the other people in the feed to go, okay, this person's an expert and this person's just kind versus, right, how do you know? And so it was interesting to me how I thought, you know what, I am in this world now where if I really want solid information that's going to be beneficial and personal to me, relevant to me, I am now in the driver's seat where I have to go seek out the experts, right? The internet is full of people with an agenda. It's full of people that are kind but ignorant. It's full of people who are not kind and ignorant. And it's full of people who just have an opinion, right? And so we have to seek out the experts. And I just, I, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I chose, by the way, just for the record, not to weigh in on that conversation. I just chose not to. And I thought, you know, I have a lot of wisdom and a lot of insight I could have shared. But I thought, why would I do that? Right? Why would I do that? And so I just, I share that with you guys because uh, the internet has been a tricky thing lately because that's really kind of where we all rely. And so today my hope for you is that we would share some wisdom and some insight, right? But that we also have some expertise in the room. And so I want to congratulate you on your decision to go someplace where you're actually going to get solid information and not people with just an agenda, okay? That's our goal for you today. So I'm going to bring up our panelists. Come on up, ladies. And let's go ahead and give them a hand while they're coming up. I appreciate them. These are going to be familiar faces that you all have seen before. And you have a handout. Those of you who are listening from home, uh, I believe Naomi has sent you a handout in your email. So uh, let's see. So Caitlin, you're there. Yep. Julie on the end. Shannon here. Yep. And we're in a little bit different order than my uh, slide because Julie needed a footrest, possibly, for her her achy knee. So uh, so we got Julie Davis on the end here with Concordia. Jill Huff of Spanish Cove, Caitlin Carnes, Bradford Village, and Shannon Steiger, Buffalo Realty Group. So ladies, grab a seat, and we're going to get rolling. Um, I haven't had a panel live in so long that it feels it's like it feels kind of fun, right, to be back. The whole gang is back, right? Okay. Uh, I, I speak with these, this group of people pretty frequently, and we've kind of stayed in touch um, Oh, you want mics? Yeah, probably need mics, right? Uh, we've stayed in touch since the uh, pandemic and through the snowstorms and everything else. And uh, and so I have some questions for them today that are relevant to kind of our current state of affairs in our community and in our world. But we're going to start out with some generic information, okay? And, uh, and keep in mind that uh, the, the, 
the experts say you can only grab so many bits of information at any given time. And so you may have heard this before, but guess what? You're going to hear something different today because you're in a different place today. Okay? So we're going to kind of do a little bit of a recap, if you will. And then we're going to talk about some really specific information that's going to be important to you. And then lastly, as always, we'll open it up for questions. So on your handout, um, we're going to kind of follow a little bit of an order. And then as you have questions towards the end, we'll take those questions. All right? Okay, so the first thing we want to do is just really share what the different types of senior living options are available in our marketplace. Not This is not for if you're listening from another part of the country or another city even, there may be some other options out there, but we're going to focus mainly on the ones that are here in the Oklahoma City market and that are most prominent. So uh, I want to know what constitutes an independent living 55 and older community that uh, someone might move into, and why would they move into it? Sometimes you call those by other terms too, so feel free to tell us what you call those. Hello, my name is Shannon Steiger. It's so good to be here today. It really is nice to be back in live. Right, in um, person. In person, yes. So I wanted to, the senior living options, and some of the things for in active, 55 and older, there's lots of different terms. Right. There's not actually even a common term, it's just everyone has a different version of it why people move and want that type of living. Traditionally, I can tell you the number one reason is they're tired of mowing your yard. Um, they're tired of worried about the outside of their home and general maintenance. They're wanting that type of living that is considered carefree living, that they are not having to worry about maintenance. They're not having to worry about if the pipes freeze. They're not having to worry about shoveling the sidewalk, the driveway. Um, they're not having to worry about calling the um, the pest control or the weed control. They're not having to monitor all those things on the outside of their house and even on the inside of their house. So they're really looking for that um, simple living. Sometimes and you call it maintenance-free. Maintenance-free, yeah. It's not completely maintenance-free, no. but it's- But it's simpler. Partially maintenance-free. Yeah, it's simpler. How, how hard is it to find those types of communities? I, I wanna just ask that question because being a real estate person, you would think we could find all types of properties fairly easily, but when you do a search, how, how hard is it for the consumer to find those types of properties? You can find lots of the properties. It's going to be where it depends is the areas you're looking for, your price range that you're looking for, if you're looking to lease, and if you're, or you're looking to purchase. So there's a lot of variables. You can find anything on the internet, but anything may not be what you're looking for. So it's really a matter of narrowing the scope and first finding out, deciding what you're looking for, and that may be more than simply uh, maintenance-free living. Okay, so, so with that point, yeah, so you're, I, 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 you may think it ready to say this, so you say, no. Okay, so you may say to somebody, okay, what you're asking for, I thought was this, but it's really this. Correct, okay. and then from that, how easy is that? I'm mean, going to keep saying it depends because it really is very personalized. There are lots of different options in Oklahoma City and the metro areas, but that those options are very wide-ranging. Can I ask you a question and then we're going to pass the mic? Okay, can you just, you have this magic keyboard with this little magic screen on it, and you just key in, this is exactly what they want, and thousands of options pop up? No. Okay. How many pop up? <laughs> Most of the time. One. Or two. Two. 
No, actually, I typed it in this morning. You need to know I typed in 55 plus community living in Oklahoma City, and one popped up. So I'm really not lying. Yeah. So one popped up because I wanted to see what popped. So it's harder to find than one might think. Correct. We have to do some digging. We do. Yeah. Well, we know where they're at, so yeah. there's not a lot of digging for us. Yeah. But it's really about the questions first, and then once you answer the questions, then you can identify your search a little better. Perfect. Okay. So let's segue then to independent, full-service independent living community. Not to be confused with active adult 55 and older neighborhood, but sounds a lot like it because the marketing is going to sound a lot like it. So um, I'm going to pass to anyone that wants to start there, either Caitlin or one of you guys, full-service independent living community. What is it and who moves there? So a lot of, there will be some similarities, like Shannon was talking, you have this maintenance-free, care-free living where, you know, you move to an independent living community and your lawn care and your maintenance and all of that is going to be um, taken care of for you. You don't have to worry about it. Um, the additional services that you will find at an independent living, like a full-service independent living community, um, comes in things like um, you might have like a community center, a dining room where you're having your meals provided. Um, it's a lot more social. It's not just a neighborhood where you may get to know a handful of your neighbors that live across from you, but you really do get to know the entire neighborhood, get to know all the residents who live there. Um, Why is that? Because there's an organized effort? Or what's yeah, that? because the, um, the social aspect is a lot of that is built into the community. So there's activities um, at Bellagio of Bradford Village. We do um, monthly dinners, well, did before COVID, but we're crossing our fingers we can get back to that soon. Um, but monthly dinners and activities and outings and things like that together. So a lot more of a, a social aspect um, ingrained in those communities than you would find, I think, in a 55 and up neighborhood. What about minimum age? Uh, is 55 and older the minimum age, or is there a different minimum age? So at Bellagio Bradford Village, we are a 55 and up community. Our youngest resident, I think, is 57, and our oldest will be 96 this summer. So there's a range there, but 55 is our minimum. I don't know if you guys are different there. Same. Yeah. Ours is 62. Yeah, you'll pass that. Yeah. Ours is 62, but we have several that move in in their 50s. Okay. And then I just want to piggyback on what Caitlin was saying. Yeah. In my experience, a lot of people that move into a regular independent living retirement community that's not a continuing care retirement community or like a 55 plus is really people that maybe um, can't afford other options. That's been my experience because yeah. Yeah. there's different requirements and it's a monthly rental so there's not a long-term sure. commitment plus they, they're the, another difference is there are no other higher levels of care in those types of environments. You know what? Because of what you're saying, I want to I want to distinguish something real quick. Let's lay out kind of let's flip it around. Because normally I talk about independent and assisted and memory care level. It may be better if we talk about CCRC at the top and then work our way through that. Is that okay with you? Sure. Yeah. So representative of the panel, uh, Julie, Jill, and Caitlin represent communities that are continuum of care all the way through. So they're continuing, say it Jill. Continuing care retirement community. Thank you. I told you guys I've never seen yeah. one too. CCRC. I told you I was out of practice, didn't I? I'm going to be tripping over my words today. So talk about that Jill, what that involves, and then 
then we'll go back to just differentiating between the different levels. Yeah, go sure. So, and independent living retirement communities are great options because there are so many people that can't do a CCRC. And continuing care retirement communities, there are set, uh, there's seven in the metro area, but there are some that are just continuing care retirement communities where you have one kind of contract and then the three of us represent also continuing care retirement communities that offer the life care program. So you do have to qualify medically and financially at a continuing care retirement community. So that's why it's not always an option for, for a majority of people actually. Although it is a lot more affordable than people think. Yeah, right. for sure. Is that what you wanted me to? Yeah, so I wanna differentiate between the two terms you used. So if you're writing notes, CCRC, Continuing Care Retirement Community, and then she used another phrase, life care community, which is a different kind of contract that they offer. And then a phrase that I used earlier was continuum of care. And this is so confusing to people because the marketing is confusing. So Julie, talk about what is a continuum of care that's not a CCRC, right? So you'll find um, in the marketplace that there are communities that will tell you that they are a continuum of care. Hold a little closer. Is that better? Yeah, that's why I don't have my mask on, sorry. Um, that they are a continuum of care because they have more than one level of care accessible to the residents. More than one, but maybe not but, all. But not all, or, exactly. Or uh, potentially they allow you to age in place where you can have care come to you um, and they will market themselves as a continuum of care, which is a little misleading uh, because it's not licensed in that, in that situation. Um, so um, from an education standpoint for the consumer, it's really wise to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples when you're doing your research. So I've heard people say, and I think Shane and I actually had a client recently say this, was, uh, well, I, I'm thinking this community versus this community because this continuing care retirement community doesn't have an entry fee, and this continuing care retirement com community does. So is that a point of difference if they don't have an entry fee? Absolutely. Substantial. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be. It's um, a red flag. I, I was going to say red yeah, flag. That's exactly flag. what I was going to say. It's a yeah. red flag. Um, it's just it's the entrance fee. You're basically purchasing a guarantee of care. That's it's your assurance that I've got a game plan, and no matter what my need is, regardless of what it is today, I got a game plan. No one's going to have to figure it out for me. I've got a game plan, and that's what you're purchasing. And when you go to a community that does not require that, or maybe they have a $3,000 entrance fee, <laughs> that's not the same thing. Right. It's not a contractual obligation of care, okay. which is what ours all are. Okay, so on that note, then let's do a description real quick of your campuses. Just how it's laid out in terms of that continuum of care as a CCRC with that contractual life care component. How is your community laid out? Right, so uh, we're a smaller community and we are essentially all under one roof. Um, we do have some cottages that are adjacent to the main building, but otherwise we are all under one roof. And so this, the transition from one area to the next, you just can walk, you know, seamless. You don't have to go back out or anything like that. What's yes, the what well, I'm sorry, I'm with Concordia. 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 Yes, ma'am, I'm so sorry. Um, so that, that is how, how ours operates. And, uh, and as a smaller community, um, that also limits us on how many people we can serve. Right, so, yeah. Okay, so Jill, your campus layout is very different, so explain kind of how that layout looks. 
So I'm Jill Huff, I'm the Marketing Director at Spanish County Retirement Village. We've been around for over 47 years and we're larger, we're known for being really active. That's probably what really the difference with us. We're laid out in such a way that we have about 30 cottages and we have about 225 apartments. And then we have uh, about 60 assisted living apartments, 60 long-term care suites and skilled nursing rooms. Plus we have new memory care and we just did a huge expansion. So my numbers may not be totally right, actually. Our campus is laid out in such that our apartments are, our independent living is in one area. And so they are separate buildings, only eight apartments in each building. The cottages are adjacent. And then our assisted living, our memory care, skilled nursing, long-term care, and underground basements for safe spaces for tornadoes are all in one building. So it's kind of been pretty neat during the pandemic because our independent living residents have been able to come and go and haven't really been restricted at like some retirement communities that are all under one roof. And so you guys have been akin to what some people have called like a college campus. Yes. You've got a yes. variety of housing types on one campus right right, right. Um, so and then you have a new building you guys are landlocked yes so like a college campus right. in many ways and churches so in order to expand you guys have to tear something down so what do you guys get to tear down so we about a year and a half ago we purchased a shopping center on the north edge of our campus and that is where we will be building our phase two our new independent living um, building with underground parking three new dining venues new wellness center and how many levels four Four levels. And that was really restricted by the city of Yukon, right? Like, yes, yeah. they told us we had to buy a new fire truck if we built it any taller. <laughs> so the, the price you pay for, for building, right? Okay. Right, we, we, we chose not to buy a new fire truck. So, right. yeah. so uh, Caitlin at Bellagio Bradford Village, your campus is different than their campuses. So talk about how that's laid out. Sure, so we are probably the, uh, the mid-range between Concordia and Spanish Cove. Um, we have 77 um, cottage homes and a 44 apartment assisted living in addition to um, partnering with our the Bradford Village Healthcare Center which offers skilled like short-term rehab and long-term care which a lot of us probably traditionally know as nursing home care. So the, um, the unique thing about um, the Bradford Village campus is that we don't offer an apartment style living for independents. So ours is really like you're coming to a neighborhood, you have your own cottage home with its own garage. Some of them, they're either standalone or duplexes. And um, then our assisted living is just right there on the same campus. And then the healthcare center, which again offers skilled and long-term care. So, um, and then for our independent living, we also do have some community spaces. We have our big community center, with, uh, which has our dining room. Um, we have a library and all of our staff offices and then um, an activity center that contains a um, gym and an activity space and a um, residential style kitchen that residents can use for um, hosting lots of uh, personal events. We've had weddings and, or wedding showers and birthday parties and grandkids baby showers and all kinds of things. You could, have a wedding. you could have a wedding there. We've actually had a staff member look at doing that for her wedding. So all kind of, whatever you wanna do. Um, so that's how our campus is laid out. It's um, spread out over 33 acres, but it's really a pretty intimate space. I mean, your neighbors are right there and you get to know everybody really well. Um, so yeah, hold that thought. Shaden, talk a little bit about the different 55 maintenance-free types of living and what the variations are in those types of places as well. 
So as you hear three very different CCRCs, then you move into an even wider range of choices and selections within active 55 and older. It can be at home, it can be uh, apartment living, it can be a cottage where you have maintenance-free um, or maintenance-free yard work. A lot of clients who are looking for that step between their 4,000 square foot home and um, a CCRC will often look for that active 55 um, community living because they're looking to downsize to maybe 2,000 square feet versus a 1,200 square feet or less. So that's also some of the reason why you're seeing and why people select independent living versus um, and there's a range. And there's a range. Okay. Also, you're looking, there's apartment living that can be independent. Um, so you have just about every variety that these guys talked about with independent as, as well. So what I think is interesting, and the reason I wanted them to talk about their campus is because unless you're talking with one of them or going with one of them to their campus to show you around, you would never really know what you're looking at. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like, I can drive around the building at Concordia, and I couldn't tell you how that building was laid out if I had not been in it. Okay, same way with their communities. And matter of fact, for many people at Bradford Village, they'll drive through Bradford Village and not even know that they're in Bradford Village mm -hmm. because it's like a regular residential neighborhood. Yeah. And then at Spanish Cove, you know, they've got, I call it a compound because they have, you know, fencing around it. So you kind of know what Spanish Cove, the boundaries of Spanish Cove, but then you think you know, and there are cottages that they have acquired that are out in the neighborhood and you don't know if those are Spanish Cove properties or not, right? Now they know, so they can point those out. So I want to differentiate now between the, the CCRCs that you talked about and just independent. So you can talk about your own community, but let's generalize a little bit in terms of the, the folks that say, you know, I really either can't qualify or can't afford one of those types of communities, but I do want an independent living community beyond what Shannon described, which is just maintenance free. Why do people choose to do that? Yeah, I'll, I'll um, talk to yeah. that. I, I actually came from that background. Right. So when I worked in the Dallas market, um, the community that I served was a very luxurious independent living apartment complex. Um, we had 245 independent apartments and they were three bedrooms to you know one bedroom with a study. Um, they offered a luxury lifestyle. And we often joke about in our industry, a cruise ship on land. Um, that's really what it is. I mean, they, they had neighbors. Um, a lot of times it had to do with what Shannon was talking about. And it, what it was, I just, I don't want to deal with the house anymore. I want to lock and leave. I travel, you know, that kind of thing. But many of the customers that I saw that came through my door really didn't know what was available to them. Right. And so to our point earlier start about there. not knowing that they can afford at that community, it wasn't a matter of not being able to afford it. Their price point was just as high as ours, and those folks' assets were plenty enough to work with CCRC. They just didn't know that that was an option. The problem is, is that when they aged out, they had to leave. So if you can imagine being in a health crisis and then having to find a new place to leave because your community tells you that you're not healthy enough to live there anymore, that's a problem. Yeah, and that's and basically- if you have a family support system that can help you, that's great. Yeah. But you better have a conversation with your family to let them know that that's down the pipe. 
the other piece to it too, and my uncle actually lives in one of these communities. Now his is not quite as luxurious, it doesn't offer food. But we've had a long, lengthy conversation as a family. He's one of those that can't afford CCRC. But we had to look at the contract because at the end of the day, it's just a basic Texas apartment com contract. So if they want to sell out or 30 day notice or whatever, it's just an apartment. You can leave if you don't like it. He's 82 years old. It's not easy to just leave. Yeah. So. Well, and the, the other part of that is because in, the, in Oklahoma, it's, it's a basic lease agreement. Right. So if you sign a one year lease and something does happen where you automatically maybe not able to live out that lease, your family is still going to be responsible or you're going to be responsible for that lease because breaking that lease is if you leave before the year's over, if there's not a clause in that lease. So that's something that's very important when you're looking at independent living, that you're reading the lease. Now, let's be clear, independent living versus independent full service. If they are a senior living community, you need to know that their contract, typically the differentiator is meals, right? I would say meals, and, and typically those contracts are not a regular standardized price. Yeah. They're going to say 30, 60 day notice if there's a health issue. And the well, that's more than just meals. I mean, it's, right. yeah, talk about they that. have regular independent living communities have housekeeping services, activities, transportation. They pro they have emergency call systems, but I mean, I can't speak on behalf of anybody else, but the Spanish Cove, an actual nurse answers yeah. the emergency call system, and not, some not somebody just trained in CPR. Well, in some independent living communities, when you pull the call cord, it calls 911. Exactly, yeah. right. So there are, I mean, the 55 regular plus, 55 plus doesn't include, it may be like yard service right. and, Not a but you know, system. the other ones have maintenance repairs and yeah. things like that, like in the appliances and stuff like that. Okay, let's, let's, 55 plus is not a social. You're not getting the activities. You are not getting the additional amenities. Yeah. The amenities you're getting is maintenance free. That's the yard. It's very limited to the convenience. So you can still travel. You can still lock the door and not worry about someone being able to tell you're not living there. It may be gated. It may not be gated. But you're not looking at the additional amenities, food, um, social, additional, if you needed help driving somewhere or transportation. Okay, so let's go now. So those are all what you all just described independent, whether it's uh, full service or not. Those are places people choose to move. They're enthusiastic about it. They're excited. They're gearing up. It's really going to be a great opportunity to, to kind of reinvent their life. The next thing you talked about, Julie, is, is if, if, you're, if you're really not able to manage to live in one of those types of communities, what's the next step? Now, so you're, you're going to be looking at assisted living. And that... Um, Oftentimes people are confused when they're like, you know, I'm calling to look for my mom. She's trying to research options and we think she needs assisted living. Well, tell me about your mom. Well, she doesn't need assisted living. She doesn't have any health issues at all. She just doesn't want to cook anymore. That's not assisted living. Why do they call it assisted? Yeah. Why so they? Assisted typically is defined as providing activities of daily living. And usually it's two or more. So maybe you need help with medication. Perhaps you need help with dressing. Maybe you've got really bad rheumatoid arthritis and you can't really manage the buttons too well or hook your bra, you know, that kind of thing. So you need some help. Maybe you're a fall risk. Maybe you've had a stroke and you've managed to recover, but you're still unstable. So having somebody that's nearby, maybe you don't need somebody to bathe you, but you just need somebody to make sure that you're safe. Um, those are all activities of daily living and they can excel, you know, I mean, be, you know, as great as your needs are. So if you need help, 
all the way up to typically a one-person assist. Once you need two people to assist you to stand, to transfer out of your bed onto a toilet, that kind of thing, then you're looking at nursing care. But typically, they can handle a lot. Okay, so I wanted to yeah. point something out that I, I observed, and I've, I've seen this before, but so did you all notice when we shifted the conversation from independent living and CCRC life to assisted living, the terms got more clinical. Did y'all notice that? Transfer, yeah. assist, right? And so, and even Julie's tone changes. There is a difference between what assisted living offers in terms of just the mindset of how we see assisted living versus independent. I just wanna point that out. It, it's not a good or bad thing. You just need to know you're gonna hear a different terminology at that level of housing vocabulary. Yeah, and the other thing too is, is that they carry different licensure That's where it is. Yeah, to and talk so, about that. Um, yeah, that was eye-opening to me. I told you, I came from an independent living background, and so I didn't really have a, a depth of knowledge on the assisted side when I first started in this industry. And I was absolutely shocked to find out that there were assisted living communities that couldn't help people who had diabetes. Do we know what percentage of our Americans have diabetes? Like that was shocking to me. But but they can't because they don't have a nurse full time or they're not able to administer the medications that are needed. Maybe they can't do wound care, you know, those types of things. So those are all different different levels that require different certifications by the state in order to offer those on their campus. So if somebody's marketing so, assisted living and someone says, I'm gonna call for my loved one or myself and I need assisted living. Assisted living isn't apples and apples. No, there could not. be apples and oranges, or maybe even apples, oranges, and pears. Yeah. To include, to include cognitive care. If if somebody in your life has a cognitive issue, dementia, right. um, they're governed or licensed by the assisted livings, but they may or may not have what you need for your loved ones. Yeah. So that's something you need to research. Don't just assume. Yeah, Caitlin, you want to add to that? Yeah, I do. I just wanted to make sure to point out too. Um, what I've experienced a lot is I get questions from people. Um, so Bellagio Bradford Village does not have a separate memory care, and I know we'll get to memory care in a minute. Um, but a lot of times I think people think, oh, you've had a, you know, just minor memory loss. I, I get calls from people and they say, oh, like I'm looking for my mom and she needs memory care. Okay, well tell me about what's going on with her. And they're like, well, she kind of misplaces things sometimes and, um, you know, is having trouble with her, her language. Okay, does she have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's? Well, no, she's, you know, had some strokes and is just, you know, confused a little bit or having some trouble processing. So I just want people to be aware that sometimes assisted livings can help yeah. with um, somebody who has mild cognitive decline. The big difference um, between like an assisted living like a memory care is you might have your staffing a little bit different. Your staff might be trained specifically to help with people who have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's and um, you know, people who maybe would not be safe in a typical assisted living um, because there's not security, um, like secured access, or if they wander, or things like that. But a lot of times, like just mild cognitive decline, those needs can absolutely be met in assisted living. So, you know, just because you're looking at some cognitive decline, that doesn't automatically mean memory care. Um, so, just that's another medical issue that assisted living can help provide assistance with as well. Who helps people identify that, that difference? How do you know? So with assisted living, you have to have admission orders from a doctor. 
And the same in memory care. So memory care is a special licensure. And like in Spanish Cove, for example, we also have 24-hour nursing care. We have long-term care. And then we also have 24-hour long-term care in a secure environment. So we have memory care assisted living that has a special licensure. And then we also have the long-term care with skilled and also an area where people can be in a secure environment that even need more help than just regular memory care assisted living. Yeah. So guys, I, I think not to confuse you more than you might already be, but do you understand that there are levels within levels within levels? Yeah. And so the key is when you go to a community, I think what happens and these guys remember what I said earlier. I just want to point this out. These are educators. So when you walk into their community and you're talking with them about what you or someone else might need, they're asking you questions and then they're going, okay, do you fit there, 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 there? And if you don't fit on our campus, where do you fit, right? Other places are not educators, they're marketers. And so you're gonna walk in and say, I need assisted living and they're gonna go, great, we have it. Sign here, press hard, three copies. Does that make sense? So I just wanna be clear that you are in charge of asking the questions, which is why we're kind of getting into a little more of the nuance behind what you need to be aware of, yeah. I was just gonna, Shannon had asked specifically, how do you decide what you need? Um, well, your healthcare provider um, can provide some guidance, um, but I will tell you, your healthcare provider isn't always aware of all the options immediately available to you either. I've definitely had some people say, well, my doctor said, and I said, no, that's not accurate. <laughs> um, so. When you talk to the communities, like Nikki just said, the community should be talking you through, asking you questions about, well, tell me what, about what's going on, what, you know, describe for me what your daily life is like, so that any of us can help you determine really what the best fit for your needs are. And then, and as Joel mentioned, you have to have doctor's orders for assisted living, and so a, a nursing team would provide a healthcare assessment, and from that healthcare assessment, that helps us determine um, if you're appropriate, if your needs can be appropriately met in assisted living, or if you need a different level of care. So um, the community will have healthcare providers that can help provide that guidance That's as well. That's a great explanation. You know, it, it occurs to me as you're talking about that, just the other day, I was on Facebook. I've really got to get off of Facebook. <laughs> uh, I was on Facebook, and someone posted in my normal, regular news feed, it wasn't a forum or anything, my somebody, I forget their relative's name, needs assisted living. Who do you recommend? Oh my gosh. Kind but ignorant. All over the place. Like, this place is perfect. This place is great. This place is great. And I'm looking at the list and I'm going, well, first of all, not assisted, not assisted, not assisted. And then I'm thinking, do they really even need assisted? Right? And in my mind, and again, I'm the expert on this topic along with these guys. And guess what I didn't do? I did not weigh in because why is too much noise, right? So what I did was I sent that person a private message and I said, if you really want some expert advice, please contact me and I can connect you with the appropriate people. Because in that forum, if I would have said, I would first check out Concordia, Spanish Cove and Bradford Village, here's what would have happened. Oh, my aunt was there and it was terrible. And oh, my grandmother was there and they're way too expensive. And oh, I don't like that community because of where it's located. I mean, you would have gotten all of these ignorant people, I hate to say that, 
And when I say ignorant, they're not ignorant people. Their comments are ill-informed. How's that? Is that a better way of saying it? That's the nicer way of saying it. You know me, I'm not very politically correct. Um, so, but the reality is, that's why I say the nuances are so important because people will give you advice that is not always necessarily the best advice. Yeah. Part of this process, and I think the common thing you're going to hear from each one of these ladies, and including myself as a real estate professional, if you come to me and tell me this is what I need, if I'm not asking and they're not asking you questions, then they're probably not helping you find what you truly need. So when they're asking you questions, it's not to be a busybody, it's not to put it on Facebook. <laughs> it is to be able to dive deeper and to make sure we're helping you with the right thing. Okay, so let's shift just really quickly to long-term care. I think people think they know what long-term care and skilled care is, but can we differentiate between the two? Jill, you've been awfully quiet. I'll have to give this one to you. <laughs> okay, so skilled nursing is something that Medicare helps pay for. And it used to be pre-COVID that you had to have three midnights in the hospital, and then Medicare would pay 100% of the first 20 days. Then the next 100 days, uh, it was about 177.50 a day. I think it's gone up a little bit um, after January 1st. So you pay a portion of it for the next 100 days. But skilled nursing is after you've been in the hospital and the doctor says you need some therapy. And you need some therapy to help you go back to either independent living or to go to assisted living. But basically, the prognosis is that you'll get better. And it's, it used to be three midnights, and now it's only one midnight. Oh, wow. Because they needed the hospital space, okay. yeah. Okay. And so, not everybody provides skilled nursing, and a lot of retirement communities that say they're a continuum of care do not have skilled nursing, because to provide skilled nursing, usually you're part of a long-term care facility. Um, right, I know. Don't say the word facility, but basically the stereotypical, what you think of as a nursing home. And at our communities, um, well, I can speak on mine really basically the most, so we have skilled nursing and long-term care, and a majority of our rooms are suites. They're private rooms, so our residents at Spanish Cove are guaranteed access to every level of care at a very low discounted rate. Okay, hang on, stop. I'm gonna, I want you to differentiate now between the long-term care and the skill. So let's say, so, yeah, because I don't want to get into money okay. at this point. We'll so, get into that. Okay, so skilled nursing, if you don't get better, you know, if you don't, if you cannot go back home to independent living with the therapy, then you might have to stay in long-term care. And that's 24-hour nursing care. So we talked about assisted living, how you need help with at least like maybe two activities of daily living. Long-term care is really for people that need 24-hour nursing care. They can't go to assisted living, they can't go to independent living. Well, I guess they can if they're going to pay for private caregivers for 24 hours. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I want to point out just really quick a, a point of difference, and Jill kind of alluded to it, is that if you're somebody that goes to the hospital and then you need that skilled care, at these three communities, you basically go back to that campus to that level of care, right? That's correct, yes. And not all communities obviously have that. I, Chris's uh, cousins own uh, Bellevue Nursing Center. And so when people, oftentimes I'll see and I'll hear people say, uh, where do you need, oh, I need rehab. And somebody will say, go to Bellevue, they have great rehab. 
Well, they have a skilled part of their community and they have a long-term care part of their community. So if you're in skilled, short-term, and then you can go home, wherever home is. But if you need long-term care, you don't necessarily have to go to Bellevue for long-term care. You can go anywhere you want to. Those are two entirely separate issues, even though they may be in the same building. Is that a fair statement? Yes. And by the way, Bellevue is family-owned, like Nikki just right. said. Most, and I know we're not talking about that, but it's really personal to me. Say it. Is that uh, we're a not, Spanish Cove is a not-for-profit public trust. So we're not a corporation. We're not going to get sold. Um, we're not an apartment complex that somebody else is going to come in there and pick up and buy and sell. I came there in 1996, and I'm really yeah. dedicated. So is our management team. We've all been there over 10 years. And so when you're looking at places, we are all, a not, our community is a not-for-profit public trust. And we do not have a management team in there telling the marketing department what you can do and what you can't do. We all work for Spanish Cove. And Chris's family's uh, nursing home, I refer there. Yeah. When, people, when people can't get into Spanish Cove or can't get into another place because I know that a family member is always there. I also know at Spanish Cove, I'm always there. And so is a lot of our staff. And so it's real important whenever you're looking at places to compare apples to apples. You know, is the nursing home gonna be sold? Is the assisted living gonna be sold? Is the independent living gonna be sold? Who's gonna manage it? What's the affiliation? So I think that's really important when you're comparing apples to apples. You have to ask the questions. Now, when you're informed, and by the way, I have plenty of people who go to communities that are for-profit and who have that risk. They do their due diligence, they ask the questions, and then they elect to move there because that's right for them. So it's not a good or bad thing, it is a being informed thing. Absolutely, I think that's what you're saying. Right, and you know, as far as us all being a CCRC, during this pandemic, if you all have, have had the benefit of not eating medical care, kudos to you guys, because you're in a minority group. Because I have talked to countless family members, kids, friends who have cried so many times, so many tears with us, because they need assisted living, they need memory care, they need long-term care for their family members, and we couldn't get them in. And they're looking, it's hard enough to look for the right place for you when it's not a pandemic. Yeah. And during the pandemic, it was hard. holy cow, yeah. it's been tough. So let's talk about, that. that's a good segue to the pandemic, because we've moved people into all three of your communities during the pandemic. Uh, we've moved people around within your community somewhat uh, during the pandemic. And so what differentiates, what should people be thinking about now that we have the pandemic as a it's it's a component we have to know what are we going to do if this thing either reoccurs or doesn't improve over time what are some of the benefits that the people living in your communities had during the pandemic that someone living at home or in another type of living situation didn't have maybe other than you guys were wonderful and helped them and did all these fun things for them just set that aside for a second <laughs> As a rule of thumb, what did they, what did they have? And you can talk about those two. Well, I, yeah, as you say that, I didn't expect to get emotional about it, but okay. I am. Um, it's support. I, I know that you're not, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheeking about the food and the fun and the social activity or whatever, but the reality is, is that they weren't in alone. Yeah. Um, and so many people, my mom included, 
living in a home by herself. Now, fortunately, we were close by and we were able to keep her in our circle of safety. But there were a lot of people that didn't have that option. And you guys may be some of those people. I don't know. Um, but that's the one key thing that as, as their needs changed, if anything happened, they knew they had the support they needed to achieve what needed to be done. Um, whether they needed to transition from care because of a health issue or because they needed, um, they needed to um, you know, know that they, they weren't in it by themselves. You know, I got called out uh, early on because I got really opinionated about this whole lockdown situation. Opinionated. Yeah, I was very opinionated. I wrote an editorial to the paper uh, in an op-ed and I posted I remember that. And I, I said, this is ridiculous. You can't lock independent people down and tell them they can't come and go and say, please, right, Bill? Remember you and I had this conversation too. And uh, Jill didn't call me for a month. She's trying to figure out how to have this conversation with me. And uh, I, I didn't want to ask her and uh, some of her residents uh, is that we had helped move there, we talked about it, and they said, Nikki, we're actually really glad that they locked us down, that, that we are, we feel safe, we feel secure, we have everything we need here, they're bringing us groceries, crying out loud. And I, I, I had to take a step back and I said to Jill, I said, um, they need to write op-eds and submit it to the paper in, in reply to my commentary, because I saw it from an outsider looking in, and they were seeing it from the inside looking out and saying, you know, maybe there's two sides to this coin. And they felt safe and secure, whereas I, would, I thought they would feel like they were in prison. Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. 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 All of us yeah. Yeah. All of us. Where did you live? You were in prison. You were in prison. Kayla, you can turn to say something for five minutes. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that I, I think that, you know, Julie talking about support is absolutely on point for what our residents have experienced. And I, I think at Bellagio Bradford Village, um, our independent living residents especially kind of got the best of both worlds um, because they had um, all the community activities that we were able to continue, um, even in modified form, and meal service that we were able to continue. Um, they had each other, they, so many people had socially distanced patio parties with each other. Um, so they were still having fun and enjoying each other's company. Um, but our independent living, because we have individual cottage homes, our residents didn't have to be locked down. They could make a choice of whether they felt it was safe for them to go out to the store, to go see their family um, for the holidays. They were able to make that individual choice for themselves because they didn't have the risk of having to go back into living in a part sale building where they could potentially infect their neighbors. Um, so that was, you know, just sort of a, a benefit you know, you never going kind to of think about the cottage living, but that was something that we experienced. Um, it was hard in our assisted living. I mean, it has been hard on families. I think we harder on families than on the residents. Um, is this okay time to get in the midst about things? So I know early on, um, a lot of people thought, oh my God, those poor people are just locked in their apartments and they can't go anywhere. That's not true. Um, our assisted living residents and staff sort of formed their own little bubble. So they were able to leave their apartments and they came to the common spaces. And our assisted living has been doing, continuing our dining service in the dining room and continuing our activities with precautions. People wear masks and we socially distance and we try to you know, do things in shifts if we can so we don't have quite so many people in the same space at the same time. 
But all of that is still going on. Um, and it, it was challenging. It was challenging for families to not be able to come in and mix and mingle as they normally would because you know, we were concerned about the potential of somebody bringing in, you know, infection into the building. Um, but it worked. Um, our assisted living has not had a single case of COVID um, in the entire year. And we had one case um, with our independent living and they are fine. And so um, we, are, we are so very grateful that that happened. Um, but also I think that we took a lot of measures to make sure that we could keep everybody safe. And we're so excited our staff and residents are vaccinated now. And um, we just announced today to family members that um, family members will be able to come and start visiting people in the assisted living again um, because we've all been vaccinated and everybody's been healthy and we haven't had any COVID cases on our campus. You're not going to put them in a cherry picker? No, we did that though. Yeah, early on, we have a two-story assisted living building and um, early on we knew it was really tough for family members not to be able to come in and so we um, contacted a guy that somebody knew who had a utility business and he brought his cherry picker and we sent family members up in a cherry picker to do window visits with people who lived on the second story. Visits. <laughs> it was great. We had the most fun. I think the family members like loved it. They had a wonderful time. Um, so it's been it's been okay. You know it's been okay there. So for every one post about that kind of thing, there were a hundred posts about people not getting to see their family. And that was what became newsworthy, yeah. Okay, so I'm a signer. I'm just real, I'm a real estate professional. And I got to hear these ladies and these stories the entire, well, last year. Each of their stories are so unique. And what's so unique about it, and what was so, uh, made me smile every time I heard it, or read it, or saw it, is they were, um, they were true to themselves. They were true to each of their mission statements. They were true to their, their clients, their residents. They specialized it to their residents. That's where it makes a full circle that their residents chose the right place because they catered to their needs. They catered to their preferences, to their style. Um, and so each of them were very different. If I listed each of them, we put them on a chalkboard, you'd go, oh my gosh, and they might steal a couple of each other because they can cross over. Well, they did. But they were very trusted. They did, yes. And they fought, each were very unique, but they were unique to their residents. So that's why when you go visit and you're looking at each one, you want to ask these questions because the same person who lives at Concordia would not maybe enjoy Spanish Cove, or Spanish Cove they don't enjoy Bradford Village or like something else. So I'm like, just show that, but I wanted to say thank you because a person who watched it last year, she said it went okay. They worked really hard um, and really went the extra mile every day for the last year. So it's a good thing. And I just wanted to add that Nikki and her team had worked so closely with probably all of us. You know, when you're worried about what's going on and what's going to happen, it's so good to have people that you can trust, you know, in your toolbox, basically, because we had residents that lived in their apartments in independent living for over 20 years. And then they thought, you know what, those new assisted living apartments are pretty nice. And so all we had to do was pick up the phone and call Nikki and say, hey, make it happen and they made it happen and so we we aligned ourselves and kind of um, tightened up tightened up who we worked with because we wanted to make sure that people that were coming to our property our campus were people
And so our nursing team really trusted Nikki and her team, and as well, even people moving in, to know that you know Shannon and Chris and Nikki can go over there and we can trust them. Okay, no, and that meant a lot. No more commercial about Nikki and her team being really serious. So, but you know, so here's the thing I think. And it's not a commercial. Family members really appreciated it. It is, you know, it's like it's. I think the humility in this room is is what I what I'm pointing out is that everybody has worked their booties off, right, to make sure this was a good experience for people, and it wasn't a good experience for everybody. Can we all agree that it was not a good experience for everybody out there? And so I think communities, uh, community living got a bad rap for, for a couple of reasons. One, people ignorant, kind but ignorant, didn't know what was going on in the real world. And you guys were so flippin' busy that you have a hard time churning out the information at a rate that can overcome the negative, if that makes sense. You just can't, yeah, information officers. Okay, so I'm gonna keep going because I want you all to get to your questions, okay? I, and I, you know, you guys, it's a wonder that you're even still sitting upright because I know how hard you are. Yeah, so to what your point. Okay, so the uh, questions from the audience, let's do that. Um, and so as you're thinking about your questions, I'm gonna say one thing as a transition. When you move to a community like what these guys offer, especially, or an independent living uh, condo or uh, 55 North Main Street, people are gonna congratulate you. Um, it's interesting, we had a client uh, who recently made a decision to move more to one of the communities, and she said she went to her bank to withdraw the money to put down her, her deposit, and the bank lady congratulated her. And she said, and I don't know why. And I said, well, I know why. What do you mean you don't know why? But part of her mentality, I think, in, in talking with her was she didn't see it as a positive thing. She saw it as, I'm moving to a retirement community. And when this person congratulated her, it confused her. And, and my comment was, this is a good thing. Like, they're, they wish they could do it. <laughs> and they're not able to for whatever reason. Uh, too young or whatever. So I, I want you to understand that that is what, when people think about moving to a community like this, at least that we just discussed, it's a positive. If you're having to move involuntarily due to health reasons or to memory care or to a long-term care, those are, people are not going to congratulate you for moving to the nursing They're going to go, oh, sorry. They're going to have sympathy for you and empathy for you, right, and compassion for you. It's not a congratulatory thing. So there's a very different uh, distinguishing factor there. Okay, so I'm gonna open it up for questions. The, they're willing to answer whatever questions you have. Um, and so yeah, ask the question, I will repeat it for the folks at home and then I will pass it to you guys uh, to answer whoever makes the most sense. All right, what you guys have? Yes, sir. Pay or offset the cost of that. 
So to your point, it, it does depend. It's going to depend on your policy, what your policy dictates. Um, oftentimes, we do see that most of them will be tied to ADLs. They will say what type of activities they will be helped with, and we can get that set point, and it's defined. Um, my encouragement to you, if you have not, is to get the full policy and have it reviewed. And I know we offer that service. I'm sure the girls have access. You know, each one of our communities have somebody on, on campus. No strings attached. Just provide us with your policy. We'll look over it and we'll discuss it with you. And then that way, if you have questions, we can give you the questions to ask your provider. Because we may not know. Because we actually had one situation with a client that um, they moved in and everything, and their policy indicated that they covered cognitive care. But then when they find cognitive care, it was sketchy. And they were, they were trying to push back to not pay it. They wound up paying it, but we had guided them on the right questions to ask so that they could get the full benefit and figure out why they were pushing back on the benefit. So that kind of thing. So I don't know if that answers specifically your question, but hopefully it helps. So let me also point out, and one of you guys may want to deal with this, is that you don't necessarily have to live in assisted living to receive that benefit. You guys want to Jill? Yeah. So, and like Julie said, we evaluate policies too, but it's pretty great if you have long-term care insurance because we provide services in independent living that may help activate your policy. So, for example, when people get to the point where they can't cook, you know, they're getting meals. And so your home health, you may have a home health care coverage part of your long-term care insurance that can kick in whenever you're living, actually still in independent living. So we have people that live in our independent living cottages and apartments and their monthly fees help supplemented by their insurance. Just so everybody's insurance is a little bit different, but yes, we get to do the violations.
Do we have a list of questions to ask? I have in my table here. <laughs> questions to ask when you're evaluating retirement committees. Yes. And we have the answers too. Perfect. We will have Naomi reach. They'll reach out to Naomi. If you'll get that last one, we'll get it So those of you at home who are thinking, I really wish I had all the questions to ask. There are different versions of that type of thing. Jill has one. I think everyone gives that out in materials. And it's worth looking at all of them because they're all coming at it from a little different perspective. So if you will, when you get your, those of you at home, if you have an evaluation that will come in your email, just put in there that I would like a copy of that. Make sure they get it to you. And then uh, if you're here, pick one up at the tables uh, as you leave today. Okay. Uh, Bill, yeah. Okay. Oh, hang on a second. Let me, since he's making a comment, I'm going to give you the mic. That way I don't have to repeat it. Yeah, hold that up close to you, Bill. Uh, I moved into Concordia in August of 2019 and talking about the long term care insurance. Uh, they went through my policy and they were able to direct me to which contract was best for me to sign. Okay. You know, there's the. Yeah, based on your long term care insurance. And there's different contracts, you know, that yeah. that by them looking at that made my decision easier. Again, informed decision making requires sometimes doing a little homework, right? Yeah, awesome. Thank you for that. Good. Okay, anybody else? Questions? Yes, sir. Uh, this is directed to Jill because she was the one that brought it up first, and that is about the long term care. I don't think you mentioned that Medicare doesn't pay. Okay, so long-term care uh, living in the- You're right, you're right, yes. Medicare, how, let's just- Right, so when, when we talked about, thank you for noticing that. So Medicare doesn't pay for long-term care. It only pays for a portion of skilled nursing. And you have to spend out all of your assets to get any type of assistance for long-term care, and then that would be Medicaid. So a lot of people do think that Medicare pays for long-term care, and they're shocked. It's, it is so sad because Medicare does not pay for assisted living. Medicare does not pay for assisted living. Medicare does not pay for nursing home care. Medicare only pays for a portion of a skilled nursing stay. And when you think of skilled, you should think of rehab. Yes. Correct, yes. Of skilled is rehab. And only certain places take certain people based on what type of insurance you have. So just like doctors, some doctors don't take HMOs and things like that. So there's a lot to research because just because you may have need, you may need skilled nursing, you can't go to any skilled nursing place because they only take certain insurance. Right. Uh, just as a point of reference, since you asked that question, does any of your communities take Medicaid at the uh, long-term care level? We do not. Brad, the Bradford Village Health Care Center does accept Medicaid as a payer source for long-term nursing home care. Yes. Okay. <coughs> and that would be somebody that's not on the life care program, obviously. That's somebody coming in as a direct admit into that health care Correct. Program. Yes. Um, well, but also with the life care program, there is a charitable clause in our contracts that states we would never ask a person to move out. So, so even though we do not accept Medicaid, <coughs> If you're accepted to live at Spanish Cove or probably Concordia, um, obviously Bradford Village because they take Medicaid. <laughs> um, but if you outlive all of your assets, even when you're in independent living, if you outlive your assets and you're a resident, we will never ask you to leave. 
And yeah, that is the same at Bellagio Bradford Village too. For those who are on the life care plan, their life care plan would provide those services. So what else? What other questions do you have? Yeah. Have Call you me. ever run into a insurance company that will not pay long term care in Oklahoma? Have we ever run into an insurance company that will not pay for long term care in Oklahoma? In Oklahoma? So I haven't directly, but one of my team members, Cindy, she's not here right now. Her dad lived at Inverness Life Care Community in Tulsa. And I think it was um, Baker's Life and it was going bankrupt. And the insurance commission makes them pay. So even though the company was going bankrupt and they were fighting, trying not to pay for it, they were forced to pay for it. And actually um, her dad made about $10 a day when he was in assisted living. So they, they are required by the insurance commission to pay for it. And like our staff will help fill out the paperwork to help get it going. So um, we haven't found any that don't pay. Oh, they're all in a box. They always do, just like any insurance company. But they have to pay even if they go bankrupt. Do you ask that for a specific reason? Or I've heard that in Oklahoma, there are some insurance companies that would not pay in the state of Oklahoma. So, so yeah, so sometimes like if you retired in another state, are you talking about long-term care insurance or Medicare? Hmm. I don't know. I'm not familiar with Okay, that. so here's, again, let's go back to the policy. And this is the key. And this is where when you go have your policy reviewed, if your policy, it, it's going to say. And here's the other thing. What, what you all just alluded to is so important. If you don't have an advocate, and at their communities, they have advocates on staff. That's what they're paid to do is make sure your policy gets submitted and that it's being covered if it's supposed to be. If you're at home and you live on your own and you or you have a loved one that's in assisted living or long-term care and you apply for your insurance and they're not wanting to pay, it's no different than your health insurance coverage if they don't want to pay and you have to fight them. And if you don't have an advocate who is well-versed in what you're trying to accomplish and can help you do that, guys, chances are it's not going to happen. I don't remember what it, if I was a documentary I, I watched or something I read that uh, some whistleblower with an insurance company said that their protocol, their standard operating procedure was to decline a claim twice, minimum. They're gonna decline it and you're gonna say why and they're gonna decline it again and you're gonna say why before they can even pay it. There's a movie about it. Huh? There's a movie about it. There's a movie about it? Okay, maybe it was a movie, okay. So guys, just know that that's, that's one of the things that I look at is, is you know, who's gonna be that advocate for you? Yeah, what other questions do you have for the, for the group? Yes, sir. Uh, can you uh, briefly explain how your meals work? How do meals work at your community? And then we can talk generally at other communities. So go ahead and, and talk about how do they work now, Julie? That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> do you want to know about now or do you want to know about non-COVID related? Uh, yeah, non-COVID. Non-COVID. Right. In, in our community, uh, we have a lovely dining room and our residents can come and go. We, we've had all day dining. So, you know, from 7 in the morning until 6, 37 at night, they could serve meals menus you know the whole nine yards um when covid hit we did switch gears and we still had menus and they delivered to the doors so they still had the lovely you know options available to them and we tried to have some fun every once in a while we you know we have you know i don't know what all we did bill it was like in loud corn dog night and margaritas and you know whatever we did fun stuff so um but corn dogs and margaritas not together <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah. Um, but ordinarily, it, ordinarily yeah. it is it is a restaurant dining type. It's a restaurant dining. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Julie, is let me just clarify real quick. Uh, is their rent inclusive of three meals a day, or how does that? Thank work? you. Okay, so yeah. Um, the breakfast is optional and is not included as we have a continental breakfast. And so we do provide two meals within the rent pricing that you pay. Um, and you can choose whether you do lunch one day and dinner another, you're not locked in. You don't have to do anything specific. Um, and then breakfast is, um, if you want a full breakfast, you can, but that would be an additional charge if it was a full breakfast, if you had eggs and bacon and you know all of that kind of thing. Because we have it available. The kitchen's making it for assisted living in the other areas. Um, but in independent living, it just covers the two meals. So, okay. yeah. And that's restaurant style, right? Restaurant style, yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, not buffet. It's, it's restaurant style. Okay. okay, hang on. Let's let them go through all yeah. of theirs, and then we'll come back to you. Yeah, Jill, how did your... So yeah. ours is both. We have restaurant style and buffet. And we have one meal a day is included, and, room, and we have free delivery. So you can order as many meals as you want, and it's free to deliver it. You have as many meals as there are days in the month. And hang on, just real quick, uh, during COVID, how's that working for you? So during COVID, we had the same menu. We always have like five to seven entrees a day. We have several side items and residents can order as many things as they want. And I mean, they can get, there was no extra charge for that during COVID. Our independent living dining room is probably gonna open back up in probably very soon. It was interesting because I was at a couple of the residents' apartments when they would uh, call to say, hey, we didn't get your order for, for mm -hmm. lunch. What is it that you're gonna want? And they're like, oh, they forgot to put their order in or whatever. So, yeah. yeah, we had meal plans actually, because yeah. we're, we're a real active community, so not everybody maybe wanted one meal a day. And so residents could choose like 10 meals a month and they can choose different plans. Everybody wanted meals every single day. And so like everybody changed. They're like, right, why would we? We don't eat groceries or anything. We, we love your food, so they ordered just as much as they wanted. Caitlin, how do your meals work? Sure, and so at Bellagio Bradford Village, um, we have a, um, a separate dining room so people can choose to leave their cottages and come over to our community center for meals. For us, breakfast is always included, and then in your monthly service fee, um, we include 15 meals per person per month. So um, they um, you know, can kind of use that in any combination they want. If it's, you know, one, one spouse comes, every single day of the month and the other one doesn't really care to, you can do it however you'd like to. Um, we just do the breakfast and lunch options. Um, we have huge selection at lunch and choice of entrees and um, vegetables and we always have salad and dessert and all kinds of things. So um, a lot of our residents tell us that they um, are good with dinner. They just have leftovers from lunch or they're you know grabbing a sandwich or something at home. Of course, all of our cottages have full kitchens, and so people are able to cook their own meals too, which a lot of our residents enjoy doing as well. So um, we kind of have a mix. The way that we've been doing it during COVID is um, we have this porta cachet on the front of our building, and so um, we just decided to open up our own drive-through and boxed up all of our meals, and it wasn't just like sandwich and chips, it was still full meals like you would get in our dining room and people could swing through and pick that up. Um, we also do offer delivery too, so for people um, during COVID, if people couldn't get out, or even during any time, if someone is not able to come out or not able to come over during the regular meal service, we can 
provide delivery as well. Did you guys chop through the snow and deliver meals? We did. We absolutely did. Yeah, our, our cook has this massive truck, and she's like, I got a tank. I can go deliver meals or whatever. Yeah. Is your, is your uh, uh, regular uh, uh, meals, are they restaurant style? Restaurant style, buffet, or? Sure, yeah, that's a good question. So we're actually making a change. We had been um, buffet style, um, where people could kind of go through and choose their own selection. Um, the, the pandemic is something that has actually made us rethink um, how we do it, and we are getting ready um, at some point to look at a, um, a remodel for our dining room, and so um, we are going to go to service style, like service at the table or restaurant style dining for, for us. I will tell you guys, don't be deceived when you hear them say 15 meals or one one for lunch or one for dinner or whatever. There is, like Jill kept saying a couple different times, you can have as much as you want. So people are, and this is the one place in life where it's acceptable to load up and take your stuff home with you. And so what they do is they load up and they have two meals out of every lunch. They have dinner. If they go to dinner, they have their lunch for the next day. It's, that's common practice, right? Um, right? And that's kind of the goal is to make sure that you have adequate food. But then, you know, I, and then you have lots of choices. I, I've been around long enough to know that these guys have changed it up over the years. And here's how that usually works. The residents are the ones that say, hey, we would like something to be different. And so they get together. They usually have some sort of a resident advisory group that gets together with the, with the dietary team and the staff. And I know, Julie, you guys hired a guy to come in out for a consultant to say, what can we do? And, and that's, I think, common for all the CCRCs here, not going to be common across the board for every community. Some of them are just doing the very best they can with the budget they have, and you're not going to have as many choices. So this is really, you get what you pay for sometimes. Just know that. Yeah, you had a question, sir, or a comment? Well, you've answered part of it, but let's say I'm in independent living and I decide to take a, a month vacation. I pay for the meals. Okay, so let me repeat that back. So, yeah, so if you're, if you're living someplace and you're paying a monthly fee that includes a certain number of meals and you take a trip or you're out of town or you don't want them for that month, what happens? So we have an absentee discount because we have residents that leave for part of the year. And so if you're gone more than a month, you get a discount on your monthly fee. For, because you're not having meals, you're not doing housekeeping, you're not you know, using transportation or activities, so there, and you're not using the utilities. So yeah, we've had, we've had a vacation, we call it vacation or absentee discount. Okay, okay do you guys have any similar? Oh, go ahead. No, um, Bradford Village does not have that sort of policy in place, but we find that our monthly service fees are, are relatively low, and so um, for us it's never really come up as an issue that um, people are needing that. Can they roll them over, Caitlin, if they need them, like if they have 15 for that month and they yeah. are not there, can they have 30 for the next month? Gotcha. So we don't roll over our meals, right. um, but we find that's why we do that 15 meals a month right. instead of like 30 meals a month because people just don't come every day. Um, of course, if you want to do more than 15, you can certainly purchase them and they're relatively inexpensive, just $7 a meal for us for a huge meal. Right. So it makes sense. So you guys have basically priced it in such a way that it's not as big of a hit if they don't use them. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Julie? Yeah. We, we offer as well. We have, I mean, it's, you know, if you're gone for a week, no, you're not going to get something. But your example, if you're gone for a month, we do have a way of crediting you for that. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Any other questions about 
whether it's a community, well, not, and, uh, yeah, hang on one sec, let me say this one thing, and don't lose that thought. It is that every single community that you go visit, make sure you eat there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, when you eat there, don't let them sit you in the private dining room by yourself with the marketing person. Maybe you can do that occasionally if you want to have a private conversation. But make, make it a point to talk with the people that live there and sit and eat like a resident would eat so you can have the experience of it. And you can do that more than once. Now, I don't work there, so they're probably going, shut up, Nikki. The only thing I'm going to say, shut up, Nikki. <laughs> right now, because of COVID, we're not there anymore. Thank you. Yes. So, yeah. On a normal day, they would like for you to come and eat. Now, don't take advantage of coming to eat there just because it's a free restaurant. If you're truly interested in living there, they want you to come and be a regular so that you can feel comfortable with it. Okay. Yes, Tiki bar and went around and did like deliveries to everybody's store. We had the best time. Okay, so we're gonna end on that note. What is the most fun thing you did during the this whole pandemic or the snowstorm? And I know you did lots of them, so if you want to give two, you can. But share the one or two things that you did that were most fun as it relates to having to adapt. So that was your one tiki hut. One you want to give another one? Oh, I already talked about the cherry picker one too, which was pretty cool. Um, we, uh, for our assisted living, um, we got together with all of our residents and wrote our own um, 12 Days of Christmas parody, and it's the 12 Days of COVID. Um, it's on our Facebook page. You should check it out. It's hilarious, and our residents had the most fun putting it together. So yeah, we had a great time. And Caitlin's a drama therapist by training, and so she loves that kind of stuff too. Yeah. We had a blast. It was fun. Would you? Well, I think um, we had um, the banjo guy come out and do a concert for our community. The banjo, so, the banjo guy, um, and that was a lot of fun. And um, that, yeah, he came out and dressed up as an elf, like the elf on the shelf. So that was that was a lot of fun, and everybody really enjoyed it. And I think really just from a daily activity standpoint, um, Megan finagled hallway bingo, <laughs> and I, I'm not really sure how she pulled it off, but everybody seemed to have fun with that too. So. And you guys did resident calls, uh, at least at the beginning of the pandemic, you called every single person that lived there every day. We did. And their families. In the healthcare part of the building. Yes. Yeah. Joe, what did you guys do this month? Um, so we did okay. happy, we have Yeah, it's fine. Use the other one if you need to. And um, we did happy hour every week. We've, we've always that had happy works. hour. <laughs> we've always had happy hour. We still did it throughout the whole pandemic. We just did it a different way. And we oftentimes had entertainment. We've had Edgar Cruz out. We had the banjo guy out. And that, so that was one of my favorite things, too. We also did an early morning a breakfast rice cart, too. So that was a lot of fun. Okay, here's how that looked. Golf carts, her and Kathleen, and all these staff members in golf carts with ice chests with uh, breakfast sandwiches and everything. Yes. And, and Jill, we're moving to Maine, and Jill's like, you guys want a sandwich? You know, she's driving by. Sandwiches, like, apple fritters, yes, it was a lot of fun. Like, is she going to stop? Like, or am I supposed to catch it? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the second thing we did was, I think, you know, the residents, Kathleen is our events coordinator, and she's also amazing with technology. So for those people that were scared to maybe use an iPad or to make a FaceTime call, 
she got everybody online. I'm talking whether you were 60 or 93 years old. She actually trained people how to use iPads and how to do FaceTime and how to do Zoom calls and how to set up their own Zoom. And whether you were in assisted living or long-term care or independent living, I think the virtual yeah. reality that we actually implemented during COVID was just amazing. Shannon, one minute, what was your most favorite thing? Now we didn't serve food, but it's food every day. You don't really want Nikki and I's cooking, I'll just tell you up front. Margaritas maybe. Yeah, 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 killer margaritas. We did a shredding event. So we continued our shredding event. We did it in the parking lot of our KW office, which was a lot of fun. So lots of shredding going on and cleaning things out and wearing masks and social distancing. So that was a lot of fun. And people got to get out. Yeah. Huh? Good time to do that. Good time. Yeah. They had plenty of time, yeah. Guys, can we give them a round of applause for all the them back at their tables when they're when we finish up i'm going to do a little bit of wrap up on housekeeping so thank you guys again as always all right so a couple of quick announcements while they uh get over to their tables uh, next month's topic is the truth about spending your nest egg planning ahead for senior living so all of this sounds so good and so wonderful and you go oh my gosh okay so this sounds like living in a resort how do i do that uh, we're going to be talking about the cost of not retirement communities specifically like up here today. They can talk with you about those, but really kind of the overall expectation for Oklahoma and the cost of the different levels of care and how to manage that. Uh, Curtis came with Arvest and his uh, cohort, Danny, will be here to help me facilitate that conversation. And so... Again, this is another great conversation about Medicaid, Medicare, veteran benefits, things like that. We'll have some folks here to help answer those questions. Uh, okay, you all probably all received uh, a something in your letter recently, your, your schedule for the Truth Series about the Downsizers Club. This is a brand new initiative that we just started this year for those people who are still living at home in your own residence, maybe you've been there for a long time or not, and you're thinking, within the next five years or so, I'm gonna make a move. Here's what we learned. Over the past six years, since we've been doing these seminars, we've helped a lot of people downsize. And what they tell us is that these seminars have been invaluable, they've got a lot of information, but then what happens is sometimes they need a little extra hands-on personal attention, and they didn't feel like they could call us. Now, that's weird to me because every month I tell you guys what? Call us. But sometimes what happens is people don't want to bother us. They think we're busy or whatever. So this club is the equivalent of you guys having us on retainer. Now, who is us? Us is OKC Mature Moves, our move management team, Buckaloo Realty Group, our real estate team, and our sponsors, and our vendors, and all of the people that we utilize for helping people in those service categories, attorneys, financial planners, etc. We're charging $200, and here's why. Because that means that whenever you have a question, you're not gonna say, oh, I don't wanna bother them. You're gonna say, I paid for that, I'm calling. Okay? Not that you can't anyway, but what I found is that people, when they pay for something, they use it. Have y'all ever noticed that? Gym memberships are the exception to the rule. <laughs> All right, you do get the 200 back if you decide to sell your house or move and you utilize our services, we credit you the 200. 
So there's no money lost on your end. Uh, it's completely uh, credited back to you. We only have space for a select number because we want to make sure that we're able to facilitate really good customer service. So I think right now we have seven members uh, from our group uh, and outside our group that have joined us. And so if you're interested, I know Eddie's going to sign up for it. And you're going to have some other special fun stuff. You'll get reserved seating here at the Truth Series. You'll get extra special um, uh, customer service, like support for technology, for using the technology for some education we're going to do. We also have the bus tours that we're going to get back to doing. You'll get to take part in those. So there's going to be a lot of fun stuff. If you're interested, great. If you're not, that's fine. Keep coming to the monthly seminars. And if you have somebody that doesn't come to the seminars now that you know is planning to move in the foreseeable future, say two to five years or something like that, their neighbors, their friends, tell them about it. We would love to help them through that process, okay, on their timeline. This is on their timeline. Yeah. Is it an in-person or is it a video? Good question. So it's a mixture. So on a monthly basis, we're meeting. Okay, so last month and this month we did Zoom calls. Next month we're going to get in-person and we'll be meeting as a small group once a month. And then it's a series of consultations. So I've been out to meet with our downsizers club people in their homes. Shannon has, Lori has. It's kind of an as-needed except for the monthly event. The monthly event is is monthly and then there's adjunct video education and um, consults that we set up for you with attorneys with long-term care insurance people to review your policy all that stuff so think of us as your downsizing concierge really is, okay is that two hundred dollars is that each time you're no 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 it's one time only one time. forever and ever until you yeah until you move and then we credit it back and it's per household not mm -hmm. per person so it's per household yeah, good question. Thank you for clarifying. Yes, sir. I, I thought I, I must have read it wrong. I thought it, you said it was closed for now. No, we still have some space. Oh. Yeah, we have, we have a limited number of spaces, and I think we have seven now. And <laughs> I, we, we, we're, we're looking at 10, probably limiting it at 10 at a time, mainly because we want to make sure that we can accommodate everybody uh, in our schedules, right? We don't want to over, you know how doctor's offices overbook, and then you end up waiting. Well, I don't like that, and it doesn't feel good to me, so I want to make sure that however many we have, we can accommodate. Okay, so again, thanking our sponsors. And guys, I just would say this to you. Um, we're going to need your help this year getting the word out about the Truth Series because uh, the newspaper, we're not advertising in the newspaper. They have reduced their subscription and increased their fees, and we just can't do it. And so we're doing commercials. How many of you have seen our commercials? Yeah? We're doing some commercials on Channel 9, so if you haven't been watching Channel 9, we got some commercials, but I'm going to tell you, the best advertising for us is you taking a flyer someplace and either handing it to someone or putting it out or giving it to a class, and since we're all kind of trying to get back in person now, if you could help us do that, that'd be amazing, um, because otherwise, um, it, there's just not a lot of other ways for us to get the word out. Does that make sense? So everybody agree? We're going to help each other? Yeah, because I know the reason you come is because you got benefit, and I appreciate that. Okay. Who said this? Are we good? Okay. What's your action item for today? What's the one thing you're going to do when you leave here? I want to hear a few people, and I'm going to let you leave. What are you going to do, Eddie, when you leave here? I'm going to go home and call my dad. What are you going to do with it you learned from today? 